In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about the first rule of secret societies, the many inappropriate uses of tiger balm, and gas chromatograph mass spectrometry. In our discussion of Win, Lose, Kill, Die by Cynthia Murphy. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Win, Lose, Kill, Die by Cynthia Murphy. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Look, my brain's not properly working on account of this gruesome wound. Well, you know what? You 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 did it to yourself for did I? stealing. Did I? For st- trying to take my rifle place. Spoiler alert! <gasps> oh, man. Spoiler. I wish that everyone had our Patreon bonus tier right now so they could see what we've done to ourselves. Well, if they'll see a little bit, I'll be all... There we go. There's my Liz with the glasses off. And my Taylor with my gruesome face. Hey, Taylor, I'm head girl. Yeah, you are. You deserve it. You got incapacitated somehow. Somehow. There's no tiger bomb involved. Oh, I don't even have my tiger bomb with me. Oh, well. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. So I need to apologize because I don't have background info this time. And I'm going to do a little bit of blame shifting here. So the thing is, we were supposed to talk to Cynthia Murphy about this book. And I was going to burgle something from that to talk about in the background info. But unfortunately, we were unable to talk to Cynthia Murphy this weekend or last weekend, unfortunately, because things came up. So I am shifting blame onto her. She's fine. She's not here to defend herself. (laughs) Whoops. It's okay. It's okay. Everything's okay. Also, we've talked to Cynthia Murphy before, so if you want some good background info, um, you know, go and listen to that other episode where we talked to Cynthia Murphy. There's some more stuff there. There's background. She, she, she quotes stuff. Britney Spears in her acknowledgments in her book. There's some background information. That's really wonderful. And do you know what else is some background information? Do you remember the last time we talked to her, we were talking about the Nokia phones and Snake, and she was like, yeah, I'm going to use that in my book. Yes, I even have the quote from the book. Would you like it as your background? Yeah, that's quote? great. That's great. <laughs> they're, the, they're old Nokias. You can only text and call on them, but the battery lasts forever. And they have this properly addictive snake game on them too. <laughs> there you go. Yay! We like to believe that it's we're responsible. 83. <laughs> we like to believe that we're responsible for that, even though we probably aren't, but... We like to take credit for things, so. 
deserved or undeserved, we're taking credit for it. Again, she's not here to dispute this. Right, so, so everything we're saying is truth. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we'll be doing exactly the same for Jackson Ford when we say, oh, that superhero, the, you know, the one with the hair powers, it's all on us. That really is, though. That really would be all on us if he actually did do that. That is true. I really wish that, that he would. I really, really <laughs> wish that he would. <laughs> Or it doesn't have to be an actual character, just like some kind of sly reference to somebody having a ridiculous power. It's like what we got, like what would what to call? What would I can't remember what was said. What was uh, salon kinetics. Salon kinetics. There we go. That would be hilarious. It would be. It'd be really great. Anyway, I'll give you some background information as well. Oh, you've got some. I had a re- well, not really. I had to relearn how to tie a tie. The last oh. time I tied one was probably school i mean i've probably tied a tie since then but the last time i can recall is at school because in the uk unlike in the us we wear uniforms as standard and we wear ties as standard yeah i wish that we had to do that when i was in school and my tie does not look very like tied very well it's kind of squenched underneath the knot but i'm just gonna blame that on this four dollar tie honestly it is it is purely the quality you can tell a good quality tie because it ties well and these amazon specials (laughs) are absolutely dreadful like i was trying to do a windsor and it just would not happen i could not get the windsor not to go properly so yeah you can tell a good quality tie by the way it actually ties so yeah there you go. There's some background info for you. Well, do you know what, though? <laughs> I mean, how cute are we with our matching what? school uniforms? I feel what? special because I've never gotten to do a school uniform before. Well, this is certainly better colours than the uniform that I had at school, which were maroon. The maroonest of maroon. Even this the uniform green? has changed. This <laughs> disgusting acid green? This, it is a disgusting acid green, I will grant you that. It's not nice. But when you, your blazer and your skirt are, and your tie are maroon and then you have to wear a blue shirt, and yeah, it's not pretty. It's not, For five years, you have to suffer that. No. It has changed now. My old school uniform now is not maroon anymore. It is black. That's much better. And the girls are allowed to wear trousers now. Oh, that's also better. Yeah. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm actually in a skirt today with pockets. What? Really? Yeah. Why? I've been changing up my wardrobe a little bit and adding in some skirts and tights and stuff. That's really nice. I'm wearing sweatpants and it's fine. I was dressed... I, went, I, went, I was a bit witchy today. I had my purple tights on, my big clunky boots, my skirt, black t-shirt, and then my purple shirt that has a muck, a muck, a muck on the back. I love it. Because it's from Hawk and Pork. Hocus Pocus. I was... Hokin Pokin is my new It's my new favorite book <laughs> movie. And I even had my Hokin Pokin bag. That's <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, I think that we should probably get started with this yeah. book. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Do you have initial thoughts? Um no. <laughs> When, when I picked it up, I thought, hmm, this is set in a school. And we've read of quite a few murder mystery style books set in schools mm-hmm. or a school age. You know, that, that's the heavy thing. Yeah. So I was interested how this one was going to stand against 
those. Yeah. And I'm going to just fade off there, dot, 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 and pick that up in the discussion portion of our episode. Yeah, I love a good boarding school book, so it's fun. I mean, it's not it's not um, a super American experience, so I yeah. think it's interesting to read about, and I like mm. to read about it. So that's fun. Hmm, okay. Oops. I didn't mean to kill the first one, but her head was already under the water, and I changed my mind when I plunged my hands in to help her out. It's the start of a new term at Morton Academy, an exclusive boarding school where entry is based on intelligence and not how fat your parents' bank account is. Liz Williams has spent the summer in and out of hospital appointments after a sailing accident the last day of term left her with a head injury and a scar. Though it didn't kill Liz, the accident did kill Morgan, the girl who was to be head girl this year. And the term starts with her memorial. Morton is home to Liz and her friends are her found family. There is Taylor, who is perfect. Oh, not anymore. Oh, you can you can cover it with just a little bit of concealer. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. See, pretty, so pretty. Marcus, who is Taylor's devoted boyfriend, and this outgoing cat, who will arrive back later that night after swearing in ceremony, where fellow student Amelia will be the new head girl, and Taylor, her deputy. Speaking of Jamelia, while in her classics class, Liz is among a string of students who help pass a note to Jamelia. A note which makes her scream and flee the room. Ooh. As they make their way through the woods that evening, Liz recounts the drama in classics to Taylor, and they decide it was probably another one of Jamila's nudes making the rounds. Ooh. I wouldn't want to see a picture of my own boobies being passed around. <laughs> if you've got a nice rack, then it's fine. <laughs> it's not okay if, like, you have crooked nipples or, like, ones this way. Pepperoni boobs. Ooh, no, that's terrible. Mm. Excuse me. Finally, they reach their destination through the trees, an ornate entrance that looks like something out of Sleeping Beauty, all covered in brambles. However, this disguises the ceremonial site for the Society of Jewel and Bone, a secret society in the school made up of the head and deputy, boys and girls, and the prefects. Together, Liz and Taylor don their hooded robes and go down to old Yosef's crypt. Nothing unusual about this at all? No, it's fine and normal and everything is good. This is the experience I missed out because I went to college, not sixth form. Oh, shame. (laughs) Old Yosef is apparently a saint whose body is encrusted with jewels who lies in state in a glass coffin. The school's founder brought him here when he needed something new and eccentric for his cabinet of curiosities. The acolytes of the jewel and bone form a circle while their leader, headmistress Dr Patel, performs a swearing-in ceremony for Jamelia and Taylor, who will be the head girl and the deputy. Once the formalities are completed, Dr Patel asks if they have any other business to discuss and Jamelia shows them the note she received. It's a picture of Morgan with the message, Morgan's death was not an accident. I killed her and you're next. And it's written all on a picture of her boobies. (laughs) 
You did that to yourself. <laughs> the look on their faces was so much better than I had hoped. I didn't intend to do anything bad, just scare her. Yeah, right. Who am I kidding? Of course I'm going to do something bad. Jamila, you're now my second target. There's a pajama party in the senior girl's roof garden, and Taylor is dressed to impress. But it's a shame she has a small scratch on her cheek from the nail sticking out of her blush brush. Stupid cheap crap. Damn you, blusher brush. Here, Damn you, rusty nail. Oh, thanks. I would like some tiger balm, please. Well, you can take this instead. Oh, okay. It's, it's all natural. Thanks. Wink. Liz is wearing her Do Not Disturb hoodie, and Kat has arrived, looking great, even though she's been traveling all day. They head up together where the alcohol is flowing. While Taylor and Kat socialize, Liz remains a bit of a wallflower until the boys make an illicit appearance by climbing over the roof from their side. Marcus has brought a Morton newbie, Cole, who makes Liz drool, and they adorably flirt. The night is great until Jamila has an asthma attack brought on by the illicit cigarettes she's been smoking. Dude, if you have asthma, don't smoke cigarettes. What is wrong with you? Just don't smoke. Well, I mean, yeah, that goes without saying. PSA. It's still... <laughs> There's a rush to get her inhaler, and though everything seems to calm down after, a scream rents the air, and Jamila is found dead on the floor, clutching her throat. <gasps> well, that was unexpected. It wasn't difficult to take a stroll into Jamila's room to get her inhaler, but I just didn't expect it to be needed at the party. Oh well. I guess smoking really can kill. The police arrive and Dr. Patel deals with them, which apparently includes paying them off, which all three girls saw. Yikes! Morton returns to its routine, but Jamila's death is still quietly talked about. Quietly, that is, until Frank, the deputy head boy, makes a scene at breakfast with Jamila's friend, Emily, and nearly mentions Jewel and Bourne, until Dr. Patel shuts him up. You do not talk about Jewel and Morn. It's the secret part of secret society. It's the first rule of secret societies. Do not talk about secret talk societies. About secret society. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank. That night, <laughs> oh, Frank. as well as acknowledging Jamil's death, and continued plans for the open evening, Taylor is announced as the new head girl. Congratulations, Taylor! Thanks! Oh my gosh! Don't look at my face. With Emily stepping up as deputy. It's not it's not a good school to go to. Let's let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah. The rest of the week passes without incident, thank goodness, though Frank is subdued since the breakfast incident. On Friday night, the seniors head out into the woods for an illicit party. There's all sorts of illicit stuff going on at this school. Though Liz wasn't going to go at first, Cole's presence is an incentive, and she lets Taylor and Kat give her a little pick-me-up makeover, and she looks hot. At first, the group sits around the campfire talking about serial killers, 
until Liz and Corn are left alone to shamelessly flirt. Suddenly, Frank is telling everyone to get back inside because Dr. Patel is on the warpath. How did he get the message since everyone's mobile phones are locked away in Dr. Patel's office? Well, it's tradition for the juniors to play lookout for the seniors, and they've got old secret Nokia burner phones. <laughs> they've got this game Snake on as well, which That's is cool. cool. It's fun. It's fun. It's really fun. But you can only make calls and texts on them. On the way back to Morton, it's pitch black, and Liz and Cole are separated for a few minutes until Liz finds Cole. A bloody rock in his hand and a dead Frank at his feet. Jamila's inhaler is in his hand. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oops, I did it again. But it was his fault. Said he knew I'd poisoned the inhaler. He should have left it all alone, but now he's paid for it. There are moments of chaos as Liz tries to work out what has happened, but Cole is stunned. Kat happens upon them and tries to start CPR, but Dr. Patel and the groundskeeper stop her. It's too late. As Dr. Patel ushers Cole, Kat, and Liz to her office, Liz grabs the inhaler and slips it up her sleeve. In her office, Liz shows them the inhaler, and they conclude that Frank figured out that Morgan and Jamila were murdered, and he was killed for it. Now they just need to figure it out, too. But do you, or are you also going to be murdered? Good question, good question. And this is a school of very intelligent people. Yes. Murdered. Murdered. The next day, Liz takes Cole on his official tour of Morton Academy, including the library, which is Bell's Wet Screen. <laughs> Whew! All those books and the ladders. Ooh, ladders. Liz shows Cole the curiosities collected by Morton's founder, including a Benini sculpture of an angel, Liz's favourite piece. As Liz is describing the other curiosities, she mentions old Yosef and also lets slip about Jewel and Bourne. Thankfully, whew, the rest of the tour goes smoothly. Don't let it slip, it's a secret! What's the first rule of secret society? Keep it a secret! God. <laughs> In the afternoon, Liz and Cole meet up with Taylor, Kat and Marcus for lunch. They're all surprised that no one is talking about Frank. Emily interrupts their discussion and says that Dr. Patel is covering up the murders and challenges them to prove the inhaler isn't poisoned. They are scientists, after all. To the lab! Science! Science! They run a test on some of the inhaler gas and find a substance that shouldn't be there. They use a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. It's one of my favorite things. You see, I was going to put it in the script, but I thought, no, I'll leave it out. I'll give somebody a break. And then you're going to throw it in anyway. Gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. Can you see it three times really fast? Gas chromatograph... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Gas chromatograph chromatograph. Oh, say it again. That's getting saucy. Oh. Gas chromatography. Oh. Yeah, talk science to me, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry, where was I? <laughs> Frank and Emily are right. The killer must be someone at Morton who <laughs> can use the gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Whew. 
thought Morton was filled with intelligent people. I searched the room and found the inhaler in a bag under the bed. Under the bed. Bloody Scooby gang. Monday morning, Taylor is up early with a pile of prep work and head girl duties, and Kat has already been for a run and is smothering herself in Tiger Balm. Ooh, Tiger Balm. Liz takes her time getting ready and meets Cole at breakfast. After, she shows him the old servant stairwells and how they are good for something other than getting around Morton quickly and unseen. Kissing. They're good for kissing because they're an excellent making out spot. Ooh, Make out with the tiger bomb. Gas chromatography. Oh, yeah. Oh. When the five minute <laughs> bell rings, Liz and Cole head to class, but Emily, who looks awful by the way, stops Liz with an expectant, Well? Liz is able to put her off until after June and Born that night. I would tell her to shove it up her own arse, uh, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> That afternoon, Liz heads back to her dorm with a pounding headache. Taylor is there, which is unusual, as they shouldn't be in their dorms during the day. But the scratch on her face has gotten worse, and she's there applying concealer. This gives Liz the opportunity to ask her something that's been bugging her. How did Taylor know about Frank? Taylor tells her that Marcus told her what had happened on the burner phones. This, though, leads to another question. Um, how did Marcus find out? A little bit fishy. A little bit fishy. They're, it's all weird. It's all weird. They're probably murderers. Every last one Everybody's a murderer. <laughs> well, in the meantime, time for prep. But first, cake in the common room. Oh, yes, please. <sighs> Some of my favorite words. Liz is lamenting the lack of mugs for her Earl Grey before hitting the library with Cole. Liz has an assignment on urban myths to research. Because librarians are magical, yes, they are. Ms. Somerville is able to provide the requested material and some extra pamphlets that may be of interest. And one stands out. It talks about a local cult from the 1990s, the Transcendental Faithful, led by Bradley Harrison. He made his followers kill for him, and the murders seem to follow the same pattern as they're currently happening in Morton. That's so much fun! It's a cult! Cults! I like cults! Yes. Cults! Yay! Cults! Cult me up, baby. Yeah. That night is the meeting of the Jewel and Bone, where Taylor is formally initiated as head girl and Emily as deputy. There's also the induction of a new acolyte and deputy head boy. Cole! <sighs> no more lying, thank goodness. After, as the group are sitting around on the balcony, Kat tells them about something strange she saw. Emily went to visit Creepy Billy, the groundskeeper, and bought something. But Kat couldn't see what it was, as it was in a brown paper packet. Drugs. Drugs. It's drugs. <clears throat> drugs. Drugs. It's always drugs. It's very curious, whatever it is. Drugs. Drugs. There we go. <laughs> the next day, Liz is running late to class when Emily confronts her. She's persistent, isn't she? She is. She really is. She, she, probably, need, she probably needs to die. 
She wants to know why Liz and the others are avoiding her. Because mm. you... Mm. Liz explains the aunt. Yeah. <laughs> They're just really busy, which is also true. Emily is disgusted, though. They're too busy to help her find her friend's murderer. Shocking. Liz tells the others later in the common room and she feels better when Cole gives her his mug with a C on it for her tea. Aww. He's so freaking sweet. Aww. Oh, melty face cute. I know. After they head to the library to start digging into the transcendental fearful cult but can't find anything, Ms. Somerville tells them some of the records were removed with the new administration but that Mr. Loomis, a.k.a. Creepy Billy, has created a clandestine archive and to check with him. Great. Mm. Love a clandestine archive. Yes, and just what you want to do, go to Creepy Billy's place. Can I tell you that I love that his name is Billy Loomis because that's the name of the killer from Scream. That is probably why it's called... Probably it was done on purpose, but, like, you... You know, you don't super pay attention to it because he's Creepy Billy. You know, Creepy Billy, Groundskeeper Billy, Mr. Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. Connections. There's your background information. I bet it's true. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it was done on purpose. It's too in your face. <laughs> Look, not to we be. know that Cynthia Murphy loves 90s horror. So it's just a, mm-hmm. an homage I love an homage. homage. And a clandestine archive. Throw in some science and we have a party. Science. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do it. You can't do it. Gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. Okay, we need to get back to this. And seriously, why would Dr. Patel have records from the school removed? It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Liz decides there's only one thing for it. To ask Creepy Billy. If only Creepy Billy were Skeet Ulrich, I would go and hang out with Creepy Billy. Cole volunteers to go with her. Creepy Billy isn't creepy at all. He's just a lonely old man who likes to look after his garden and grow unusual and sometimes extremely poisonous plants. He lets Liz and Cole look through the stacks of records he has archived, aka put in a pile, in his spare room. As well as getting completely filthy, they find a folder with old, with old, old newspaper clippings. Old newspapers. I thought we weren't going to do the British accent. <laughs> now it's old, old, old clippings. Old. They find a folder with old newspaper clippings from the 1990s about the cult. Pocketing it, they leave. Back inside the school, Liz has a shower to wash the dirt off. As she's finishing up, she can hear someone entering the bathroom, but no one's there. There is, however, a message on the mirror. Dead girls can't win. Dressing quickly, Liz runs to call and Kat. Kat goes to investigate, but can't find the message. When Taylor and Marcus arrive, they look through the folder together and find a photo of Nikita Patel, head girl of Morton Academy, with Bradley Harrison, dated September 1999. Oh, no. Yeah. There is another clipping of the investigation of former head boy Bradley Harrison, linked to cult-related activities, 
and another of his conviction which says he is due for release in 2019. Oh no. Oh no. The primary witness for the prosecution was Rakesh Patel, former Morton Academy student and Dr Nikita Patel's brother. Oh no. Oh. They need to find out if their headmistress was part of the cult. Yikes. Oh, that would make them much more interesting. <laughs> Imagine Ooh. finding out if your headmistress was part of a cult. I'm like, yeah, you're cool now. Yeah. And she's already <laughs> like super well dressed. So that just makes it even better. Oh, I bet she's got like the best shoe collection. She really does. She really, really does. In a not so stealthy evening stakeout, Liz, Marcus, Taylor, and Kat are hiding behind a bush outside Mr. Loomis's garden. <laughs> I can just see their eyeballs blinking out, you know, like in Scooby-Doo. When people hide behind And Kat's the got the black underneath because, you know, she thinks it helps. Yeah, yeah, it's, she's wrong. It doesn't help. They're watching the groundskeeper tending his garden when Dr. Patel comes by. They overhear them talking and find out that the package Mr. Loomis gives away is tea to help people sleep. Oh, not drugs. It's not drugs. It's tea. Oh. Oh. Before they leave, they see Dr. Patel walk off and speak to someone in the woods. And that someone is her brother. It's decided that they need to look around Dr. Patel's office, and the best time to do it is during the open evening on Thursday. It's a slightly convoluted plan based on distraction and timing, but they need answers. What else are they going to do? True, true. Drop the investigation, not be murdered. Mmm. Shrug. It's open evening, and Liz is giving a tour to a family whose child will be following the classics path as she is. Giving the family room to chat with one of the teachers, she gets terrible stomach cramps. And this isn't the first time she's had them. No. To distract herself, Liz starts looking around and notices a ladder still out from hanging the evening's decorations. And she quickly puts it away to keep everything tidy. She ushers the family out of the room, both because the time is drawing close for the search of Dr. Patel's office and because Liz can hear Emily approaching. Emily is not looking well she's looking even worse than before and she spots some of the decorations are askew as emily is a perfectionist she orders liz to climb the ladder and sort it out but sorry emily liz is in the middle of a tour with a huff emily takes it upon herself as liz is in the hallway a scream rips through the air followed by a sickening thunderclap Emily has fallen to her squishy death. Stupid, predictable girl. The grease I put on the ladder rungs worked a treat. In the chaos, Liz and Kat end up in Dr. Patel's office and use this as the opportunity they need to carry out their search. They find student files, school policies and procedures. Then they eventually find a picture from 1996 of Dr. Patel at a wedding, and a more recent letter from her brother. Inside the letter is a picture of the Bernini sculpture in the library. As Dr. Patel comes into her office, Kat pretends to be consoling Liz, and Liz grabs the Bernini picture. Sure, Dr. Patel has seen her do it. Dr. Patel tells them 
the school is on lockdown and to head to the head girl's room, which Taylor has moved into. At first, Taylor refuses to open the door to Liz and Kat. When they eventually persuade her, they find the scratch on her cheek is open and filled with green pus and blackened at the edges. Like the flesh is rotting off her face. Liz even thinks she can see bone. They help clean and dress the wound, try and persuade her to see the school nurse, but Taylor refuses. She doesn't like needles. She does like rotting open face wounds, though. Yeah. The next morning, Taylor still feels awful, and Liz and Kat tell her to stay in bed and miss assembly. They'll even lock the door and post the key under so she can have privacy. Why would you post the key back? Makes no sense. Shrug. During the assembly, Dr. Patel explains that the lockdown is in place as they believe Emily's death wasn't accidental. Only Emily's, though, and no one else's. They're all murders. They're all obviously murders. All of them. Afterwards, Marcus asks where Taylor is, and Kat explains that they left her in bed to rest and the reason why, because her face has exploded. Marcus, who wants to be a doctor, is very concerned, and they race up and kick the bedroom door down. They find Taylor unconscious, nearly dead, in her own vomit. Marcus starts CPR, and Kat calls for help. Taylor is taken to the hospital. Finally, because her face has exploded. Oh, and now she's probably got vomit in there. It ain't pretty. I kind of imagine, you know, um, when in Indiana Jones and um, and the Nazis open the Ark of the Covenant, and, and her, then fa- start... the, her face is just melted off. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, Taylor's a Nazi. And she's opened the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. I don't want you to call Taylor a Nazi because I am currently dressed up as Taylor. She's not a Nazi. No, no, she's just ditzy. <laughs> Nazi ditzy sounds. The it's same. got Z's in it. It's got Z's in. It's fine the same in the common room cole is plying liz with sweet tea as she's in shock then he falls asleep his head in her lap so sweet cat comes in updates them on taylor who has regained consciousness but still in a bad way not surprising half of her face is gone (laughs) cat is scared convinced the cult is out to kill them all which i find very reasonable conclusion yeah Mm -hmm. She tells Liz that the extra ingredient from Jamila's inhaler is a key and very toxic ingredient in Tiger Balm. They use the gas chromatograph mass spectrometer to find that out. Sexy. So, it's not an accident. Could, I'm sorry. It, it couldn't be accidental, really. Kat insists that she and Liz stick together at all times now. This includes going to the gym the next day. Yay! No. no ew. No. Ugh. No. Do not make me go to the gym. Boo. Tonight, this ends. Because you made me go to the gym. Saturday morning, the torture begins on the weights. Cat has an impressive personal best, but Liz can barely bench press the bar. <laughs> Quitting early, she goes to the showers. I'm glad you can't even lift up the bar. Is that accurate? That is weak as. Not anymore. 
She works hard for her money. So hard for her honey. <laughs> I wish I could plan this more carefully. Oh well. She can't hear me with her music thumping so loudly through her headphones. I grab a dumbbell, approach slowly, and as she lifts the weight bar, I raise the dumbbell over her head. She's shocked. It's you, she croaks. It's me. Cole is shouting Liz's name as she emerges from the shower. Cat's dead! <gasps> oh! Oh no! Cat's dead! I am shocked. <gasps> they need to find someone to help, but not Dr. Patel, because he saw her coming out of the woods with a man he thinks is her brother. Liz tells Cole they must confront Dr. Patel. Waiting in the makeout storeroom for the headmistress, Liz tells Cole she will follow Dr. Patel, but he needs to hang back and follow her brother if he is in her office. Before they separate, they tell each other that they are falling in love. Oh, this is a great time to talk about that. It's perfect. We might not make it. I love you both. I love you. Liz follows Dr. Patel to the library, where she finds her smashing the curiosity cabinets with a screwdriver. Dr. Patel is unsurprised to see Liz has followed her. Dr. Patel tells Liz she knows everyone's school file, how Taylor's father is in prison, how Marcus has a two-year-old, and how Liz had an awful neglected upbringing. Sounds like she's a murderer, I'm not gonna lie. Dr. Patel's damage comes from her brother, who joined a cult, and she was tarnished by association, putting an end to her dreams. Her brother is here now, wanting the usual thing, money. Then, Dr. Patel smashes the cabinet with the Berninian, puts the screwdriver down, and picks up the statue. The sale of the statue will finally give her the life she deserves, but she needs to dispose of the next head girl. Liz's head snaps up at that. She was next to be head girl? Dr. Patel's smile fades from her face, though, as she sees Liz is holding the screwdriver. Liz has always had problems with right and wrong, and if Dr. Patel had bothered to read her file, she would have known her last skill was concerned. The accident on the lake causes blackouts, funny turns and potential seizures. It also exasperated her unstable mental condition. While Dr. Patel thought Harrison had come back to murder the students, it was really Liz. Dr. Patel charges at Liz and Liz sticks the screwdriver in her, giving a twist for good measure. Cole and Creepy Billy find them on the floor in the library, covered in blood. Liz is stunned that Dr. Patel will try and kill her. <gasps> can't believe it. No, oh no, Dr. Help Patel, no. Help, I can't believe this has happened. The shining black head girl badge looks perfect on my lapel. I like to admire my trophies. Morgan's photo, Jamila's inhaler, and the little tub of tiger balm. Taylor's blusher brush, a pot of salve with rancid meat in it. 
a packet of caffeine tablets for Emily, eye drops I put in my own tea, Cat's gym gloves. I have a new one now, a photo of Cole and I walking out of Morton, hailed as heroes. Replacing the items, I leave the head girl's room to find Cole. I tell him I want a fresh start, to leave Liz behind and become Beth. Together, we can daydream of Yale. We're head girl and head boy now. We can have everything. And what Cole doesn't know won't hurt him. Oh, Liz is a murderer. <gasps> Nobody knows. <gasps> murderer. That's you. That's you. You're a murderer. You are a murderer. You can't prove it. Murderer. You're in hospital. True. <laughs> I am. Murderer. You tried to murder me. Yes. You tried to explode my face. Well, I did explode your face. Oh, that's true. You did. You did. It's pretty gruesome. That's sideline modeling career. God. Damn it. Waitresses with that kind of facial feature don't tip, get tips well. No. Don't. I just have to always wear my hair over my eyeball like this. I think you're going to lose more than that. I'm pretty sure she's going to lose her eyeball and she's going to have to wear a patch. Yeah. And probably, like, I, all of this is going to be gone, too. She's going to have She's going to go a bit Imhotep from the mummy, let's face it. She really it. is. She really, really is. She's going to have some wicked scars. You're welcome. Not the sexy kind of scars, either. Not like my sexy scar. Right. Yours is fine. Mine is going to be my whole face. Yeah. Damn it. It's an improvement. <gasps> oh. oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's a little smudge on my head girl bad. Yeah, you need to you need to shine that up a little bit. It's a shame. It's a shame. Well, I'm gonna go murder small people. Okay. I'm gonna um go see if I can put some concealer on my face. Cover the Yeah, cover yeah, the you could use a little touch up. Whilst everybody else listens to these messages. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed The Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work, featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Do you know what's my favorite thing about this whole book? Mm. That Tiger Bomb is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Bomb was. Is it a murderer or is it an accomplice to murder? It's an accomplice to murder. Tiger Bomb was in Jamila's inhaler. Yes. Tiger Bomb was smeared all over the ladder, which caused yes. Emily to die. Emily. Uh-huh. Um. 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some mixed in with that face cream, the face salve that was given to Taylor. In oh, addition, with the antiseptic in. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, a, in addition to the to the raw, disgusting meat. It was probably yeah. a mixture of meat and Tiger Balm. Because that, that sounds delicious. The the warnings on the back of the Tiger Bomb label say not to put it in open wounds. Well, there you go. Yeah, so that... And you're also not supposed to use it after... After. You're not supposed to use it after a shower or before a shower. So, so hang on, when can you use Tiger Bomb? Rarely. Are you supposed to use Tiger Balm? I mean, I was able to buy it at Walmart for $5. And, you know, it's supposed to be used on the outside. So, like, my neck is kind of sore right now, so I could put some Tiger Balm on. As long as I'm not rubbing it into my open wound. Inhaling yes. it. Yes. Or you've had a shower. Or you... Or I'm going to have a shower. Gonna have a shower. Yeah. It's like an hour, an hour before or 30 minutes after you're not supposed to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's wild. The, it's so specific. It is. It is very specific. So I really enjoy that it causes all these murders and deaths. And that's, it's just over the counter stuff and it can be used for murder. Yeah. It's like flour is an explosive. That blows my yeah. mind as well. Yeah. Pardon the pun. So, yeah. You can use Weird. a lot of things for nefarious purposes. You just need to be careful with your Google searches. Look. To find out how. All of this stuff that was on the back of the container. So. <laughs> You just need to read the label. Yes, read why the we, labels. We need to read more labels. We do need to read more labels. <laughs> but maybe we don't need to say that out loud. Look, we're not trying to kill anyone, okay? We're not killers. We're librarians. Oh. Yes. <laughs> librarians are magic, remember? Yes. Yes, they are. I liked, speaking of murder, uh -huh, yes. all the murders were very cool and very visceral. Yes. Like... I like the description of the thunderclap and the screams yes. with Emily's fall. Yes. And I liked how disgusting Taylor's wounds described. It's, yeah, it's great. But do you know what bothers me about Taylor, other than the fact that I am Taylor right now? Why wouldn't she go to the nurse? Yes! I know she said she didn't like needles, and I know she said she was so busy being, you know, head girl and doing prep. They call it, it's homework, but they call it prep because of preparation for university. Mm -hmm. But if you've got that wound and it's getting worse and worse and worse, you need to take the time out. And Marcus, her boyfriend, will have been looking at her face and no matter how much concealer you put on, it gets to a point where concealer does not conceal, Ooh, especially no. when it's a wound. No, it's just going to make gonna it worse. Make it worse. Exactly. And he wants to be a doctor, and he didn't force her to go to the school nurse. That didn't make sense to me. He's not a very good boyfriend. He was probably too interested in looking at her boobs. Yeah, probably. What? I didn't even realize that Taylor had a face. <laughs> Taylor's got a face? She's looking at her boobs all the time. Mm. He's a TNA guy. Yeah. He doesn't care about Unlike her face. Unlike Cole. 
Cole loves my mind. My twisted, sordid, psycho mind. I really, really hope that there's another one. And, you know, Taylor comes back and half of her face is gone. And she wears a um, Phantom of the Opera mask. And that Liz, now called Beth, tells Cole everything she did. And he's, like, into it. And then he wants to be a murderer with her, too. And so they go on a killing spree at Yale. Yeah, I like that. That sounds fun. And Taylor is also there because... Pity. You know, because her face is gone. And they were like, oh, no, we've got to let her in because her face is gone. She's she's managed to get sponsorship, yeah. Yeah. I I was imagining Leanthe from Empire of the Vampire for Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she just wears the mask because the entire bottom half of her face is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, who else wears a cool half-face mask? Um, oh, uh, from Three Dark Crowns. One of the sisters got attacked by a bear, and so she wears a half-face mask, too. So everybody's wearing mm. half-face face masks. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I can dig that. I'm a fan of a face mask. The U.S. cover of "Good Girls Die First" by Catherine Foxfield mm-hmm. has a full face mask, and that's uber creepy. I love it. And that that's a fantastic cover of a book, actually. I love it. The U.S. one. Thank you very yes. much for it, by the way. You're very welcome. Merry Christmas, even though it's February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. As, for, as cool as it is for her to now be sporting a, a face mask and, you know, revenge killings in Yale, totally making that up. Yeah, of course we know, are. We haven't told our fan fiction in quite a while. So we haven't, we so this is a new thing that we're, we're bringing exactly. it back. Trying it again. But yeah, why didn't Taylor go to the doctor? I don't know. Because just... seriously... It's not as if she has to pay for it either. This isn't the US, <laughs> it's the UK. Yeah, really. We have a national health service. And also, like, if you need time to do your homework, well, you know what? They're probably not going to make you go to your classes if your face is missing. So go to the nurse, get some shots, get it taken care of, and then you can catch up on your homework. Exactly. Exactly. I... There was a there was a, co- a a couple of things with the book that stood out to me as I want to say inconsistent or just didn't ring true, and Taylor not going to the nurse at all for that wound. This I, one, I, I I couldn't. Yes, exactly. I couldn't wrap my head around that. And the other one was also what I'm going to class as my surprise. I'm going to sort of jump ahead a little bit sure, okay. within the discussion. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that Frank worked out straight away that it was Liz, the murderer. Liz doctored the inhaler to kill Jamila. He worked out everything. That she was the one who kept Morgan's, who killed Morgan during the, the, the sailing accident. How did he work it out? How and then how did you work it out so quickly? And how did nobody, absolutely nobody else at the school, figure it out? Maybe I can sort of understand the friends, not because they're not looking for it. Yeah. Maybe, but everybody else. Maybe he witnessed it. And at first, with the Morgan thing, like I mean, the boat, the boat was upside down, and they were both under the water. So that sure, that could be a total accident. But maybe he saw her. Go and get the inhaler. 
and saw her messing with it and like I mean who's Frank nobody gives a fuck about Frank so nobody's looking at him so they're not gonna notice they're not gonna notice that he's noticing her until you but bash Frank's, his face in with Frank's a rock deputy, well true but Frank's deputy head boy and he is a popular guy and it wasn't Liz 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 has, has been very clever in that she's done all of the planting of the the devices that are going to do the killing mm-hmm. and being able to sneak around unseen. She is she's a she is a wallflower for all intents and purposes. So she is very clever in that she's been able to do all of this unseen. But I still I still don't understand how Frank What if Frank out. had a crush on her and so he was looking at her more than anybody else was looking at her? Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not giving Frank enough credit. Maybe Frank is a really good, smart guy. Maybe he's got an eidetic memory. He can remember everything that he's ever seen. And maybe we're not giving Frank enough credit. Well, yes, that is true. And this is supposed to be a school of very intelligent people. Supposedly. (laughs) Didn't see much of that demonstrated, if I'm honest. No. Um, but really, the whole thing that ruined all of that is Taylor not going to the nurse. That really, it really made everyone else look bad. How stupid are you? And nobody else made her go stupid. Yeah. Look at her face. It's terrible. I like it. I did that. Ah, you're responsible for my gross face. I don't know. I just, I'm just saying it's part of our discussion. They're the two things that I couldn't wrap my head around that wouldn't fit into my brain as I was reading it. Yeah. So. Do you know that I really, all the the Frank and Taylor stuff aside, I liked the uh, chapters from the murderer's point of view. You didn't necessarily know that it was Liz. I liked that. I love those. I would have liked the book written entirely from the murderer's point of view. Yeah. I think that would have been really interesting. Yeah. But I do I do like it. that we got to see the other stuff going on. I think I probably would have liked it better if instead of it being from Liz's point of view, it was like a third person. So you like you don't know really who's telling the story because the fact that Liz is telling the story and then there's the cutaways like they kind of you kind of think oh well it's Liz because why would there be another character's point of view well yeah and I think I mean you you read this before I did so I did we did the usual thing of whoever's reading it second messages the other one incessantly as they're going through yes of course and you have many, many messages of me going, it's Liz. It's obviously Liz. It is Liz. Does Liz have um, a personality disorder? What's going on? It's got to be Liz. The only person is... And I, all caps at one point, it's freaking Liz. Yeah. I really just... I just wanted to... If you will notice, I didn't really respond to any of those you, messages. You didn't, and, I, and I'm glad that you didn't because any response would have been a tell. So no yeah, response. Is I wouldn't the best have been response. able to keep it in. 
But I really just wanted to be like, you know, does she have a personality disorder? Like, yeah, she's a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) She's a raging psychopath. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) I did at one point as I was reading it, turn to my husband and go, if it's anybody else other than Liz, I will rage. (laughs) Yeah. But it's fine because it was Liz and you knew it was Liz the whole time. And that, you know, kind of makes it better. But I think it would have been a little bit more mysterious had it not been written from Liz's point of view. Yeah, I can see that. I can appreciate that. Um, I have read other books where a character has been a serial killer and they've known that they're a little miniature psychopath. And it's it's been from somebody else's point of view. And it's it's always been interesting to have that gateway into it Mm -hmm. and how they've hidden the fact that... You might know it's me, but you can't prove it. And everybody else thinks I'm cute and sweet and wonderful. Yeah. And I, I've always quite enjoyed those type of books. So, yeah, I can sort of say that. Yeah. 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 I think it's... um. It's, it's one of these books where I can't help but compare it to A Good Girl's Guide to Murder mm-hmm. and Truly Devious. Yeah. I mean, truly, deep, it's a boarding school. There's murders going on, obviously. We know yeah. going in, it's to solve the murder. Yeah. And Good Guys Go to Murder is, you know, the creation of a podcast set around the murder of somebody in a village. We have covered these on the podcast. Go and check out the episodes. Um, Do you know what would be fun? If Pippa... If Pippa fits a Moby followed this murder and figured it out that would be fun that would be fun it's a wild crossover but it would have to be the british version of pippa and not the american version of pippa because why would the american version of pippa be worried about this british boarding school (laughs) she's from connecticut in my books she's hiding under her duvet (laughs) <laughs> in Connecticut. Oh, that was so funny. That was so funny. Yeah, but, 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 oh. Who's the girl in Trudy Devious? Stevie. Yes, Stevie could also figure out Stevie, the murder. Stevie can figure out the murders in the American version. Yes, okay, that's... So there could be two different books. Yes. One's from Stevie's point of view in America, and the other one's Pippa in the UK. Yes, and then Pippa in the UK invites Stevie onto her podcast to talk about it. Yes. I am here for this epic crossover event. This... Screw the MCU. This... This is the ultimate crossover. That's so much fun. Wouldn't it be so great? That would be I would love brilliant. it. That would be brilliant. I would love it. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Do you know what I found quite funny about the book, though? What? It all happens in like a two-week period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the everything first two happens weeks back of school back. is rough, but jeez. The first two weeks of school are murder. <laughs> <laughs> There's the tagline to the epic crossover. <laughs> oh man. Um There we go. Can I can I ask why is Dr. Patel so bad? And what is she a doctor in? Philosophy. <laughs> Art. All of those like degrees that people say are useless. That's what she's Artistry. got. 
Um, yes, art history. She reminded me she probably, of It probably is pet. art history because she does love old artifacts and artwork. Yeah. So that probably she truly is what it is. Yeah. But like, she reminded me a little bit of my old head of house at school. But Mrs. Finnegan was, I mean, she was middle-aged and um, she was a snappy dress. It was the way she stood. She always used to have like those big shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. She always like, had exaggerated shoulder pads. And she would stand with her hands behind her back and her legs apart. And she would just like, oh, she, but she, would ha- oh, she was always in a really snappy suit. And Dr. Patel kind of reminded me of her. So, so she was scary as well when you first go, well she wasn't by the end but when you first get to the school she, she was such an intimidating teacher that you were like ooh can't, can't pay off Miss Finnegan oh no 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 but by the end of year 11 she was an absolute pussycat she was lovely by the end of the school and she was the first teacher that came up to me when I got my glasses and said, you look absolutely wonderful in the ga- in your new glasses and really frame your face really well. And it gave me that little bit of a confidence boost Aww. when I was 12. And she was, lo- she was always lovely to me, always. But yeah, Dr. Patel gave, gave me that, but lots more standoffish. Yeah. I just wonder, like, why was she paying off the cops? And... Why wouldn't she, like, call the doctor and do all of this important stuff when people are dying? Why wouldn't she call an ambulance when Frank's there with his head bashed in? Like, oh, it's too Because it's far too she late. has been hurt by reputation before. She doesn't want that again. <sighs> I um, That's the only thing explanation I could come up with. That because she was hurt by the original cult's impact on her name which seems odd but okay um i can only imagine that she didn't want morton academy or doc her name is dr patel the headmistress being dragged through the mud again yeah she's gonna be and i think it's probably more dr patel than morton academy she was worried about probably i'm sure she's more worried about herself i should she would have had the ombudsman on and the police and investigations the educational department would be like what the hell you've got all these murders going on in your school, you're not being very responsible, yeah. and then she'll be unhireable. Yeah. Are you a murderer? Oh, wait, your brother's in a cult. Are you also in a cult? You're, you're just negligent. I mean... She really is. Negli- it, that, that That's the big thing. She'll have been taken through the papers, like, totally ripped to shreds yeah. for negligence. Yeah. Letting all these kids die under her watch. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was more of a reputational thing. Yeah, you're probably right. It's not good. Okay, so I'm going to break the first rule of secret society. You're going to talk about the secret society? I'm going to talk about secret society. Okay, what are you going to say about the secret society? (laughs) Firstly, I like the fact it's an offshoot of the Oddfellow Society. And I learned about the Oddfellow Society... Um, from watching Destination Fear <laughs> on Disney Plus because I freaking love those programs, as you know. Yes, of course. And thank you, Coral, for telling me about Destination Fear. Currently obsessed. I'm on my third watch through of the series. Is 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 all three? Wow. Um, I I I I love them. Maybe I'll They're put fantastic. one on this afternoon. Maybe I'll try to watch it too. They're just so ridiculous, but in a different way to the other book, the other kind of ones of that ilk. 
But yeah, they do have one where they go to an odd fellow society house. And that's where I've kind of like got a little bit of like, you know, oh, recognition. I know the odd fellow society from Destination Fear. So yes, thank you, Coral. Um, but I like the fact that it was an offshoot. But I did find it completely ridiculous that they've got this freaking dead body covered in jewels in a glass coffin. And, a, and it sounded like a folly kind of set up cave. And I'm like, I, but I really liked that. <laughs> I liked its its weirdness, <laughs> and it's it is indicative of the old fellow society. So I'm I, I I enjoyed it, but I kind of wonder when when they did the scavenger hunt to become head boy, head girl, etc. And you know, it was the fact the it, it went in order of um how quickly you finished the scavenger hunt and found the old jo- Joseph's yeah. um, resting places too um, and that's how you got you know they went down the line there was no election process or anything like that but I can only imagine going there seeing all these robes and then seeing this jewel encrusted dead body and going what the hell yeah what have I gotten myself into here I would just be no in, I would just be into it for the robes though well, I'll be into it because it's weird and it's kooky and I kind of like that. Yeah. But I would also be going, there's a cult. This is weird. Yeah. Uh, this is a cult. I swear. What's going on? Uh... So, yeah, I thought, I, I, I suppose it's because we've come in during the beginning of the next semester, the next term, that we've gone past the any kind of discussions that they would have had over we're joining a secret. Uh, we're joining a cult slash secret society. I suppose if you call something a secret society, it sounds better than cult. Yeah, yeah. It kind of makes me think of um, another sweet, super awesome '90s movie, The Skulls, with Paul Walker. <laughs> I feel like everyone needs to go and watch The Skulls now. Everybody just needs to watch '90s horror movies. Yeah, definitely. I need to watch Scream again. Uh, I, do, I haven't do. managed to get to the cinema to to see the new one. No, I haven't yet either, and I would really, really like to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. But we can watch the originals, and we can watch the Skulls. Yes. Is the Skulls available anywhere that we could watch it together? <laughs> Hello, Internet. <laughs> What's my favorite new website that was shared with us by Lish McBride? Just watch i use it all the time now thanks lish mcbride for sharing just watch with us that's not on my netflix it's not on mine either probably because it's so good just can't just can't keep it there yeah it's on amazon we might just have to watch it it's on your amazon yeah it's not on mine it's also on something called tubi with ads it looks like it's on YouTube. It's on Voodoo. Anyway, we can't keep doing this. We can't. <laughs> we can't keep going off on weird tangents of looking things up on the internet. We gotta stop that. After the barbecue from last time, it was too much. It was too much barbecue discussion. So let's stop talking about this. It was too much barbecue discussion. But you know, what? I've not fancied a barbecue. I fancied a mixed grill. Mm. Mm. All right. Like anyway, time. anyway, is it time? Can it be time? Favorite character. We haven't talked about favorite character. Oh, we haven't. Sorry, Do I was, you have one? was trying to 
make our weird long break make sense. Um, I mean, I really liked Cole. I'm yeah. I'm sad for Cole that he got mixed up in all of this, and now he's the boyfriend of a murderer. But I can keep my hopes up for the future that Liz slash Beth tells Cole that she is a murderer and he's into it and then they murder everyone at Yale. And Taylor is also there. For pity. Cool. <laughs> I like Kat. I, I was sad when Kat died. I also felt like Kat's murder was completely unnecessary and it didn't need to happen. Yeah. Kat didn't know. It's fine. Kat had an energy... And she had positivity. And she had personality. Yeah. And I really dug her. I really liked her. I mean, if she wants to go to the gym and do laps around the lake, go for it, love. Come home. We'll have breakfast together. Look, do you know why Kat was killed? It's because she made Liz go to the gym with her. And Liz was like, fuck that. I'm going to bash your okay, face to in. be fair. To be <laughs> fair, forcing me to go to the gym is going to end in your death. Is that a is that a murderable offense? Yeah. Huh. Don't make me go to the gym or I'll tiger bomb you. I'll <laughs> tiger bomb you. Do you know I'm a little bit upset that she didn't put the tiger bomb on the workout bar. Yes! But she'd already greased she'd up the already ladders. Greased so if she hadn't something. greased up the ladders, she would have greased up the, the dumbbell bar. Or yeah. Whatever they're called. Yeah. Or she should have done her in in the shower with the tiger bomb. Because, because we've read the instructions, we've read and, the we instructions. Know, and we know. We know that that could potentially cause your demise. So that would have been good too. Yes. Or, you know, as much as as much as Kat liked Tiger Bomb, we could have just we could have had a sensual massage. With the Tiger Bomb, because Kat, we know, also fancied some girls. So Liz could have played on Kat's, you know, desires Mm. and her love of rubbing herself down with Tiger Bomb. And it could have become like a whole, like I said, a a sensual massage of Tiger Bomb. And then, you know, just use it a little bit too much in places that are not appropriate, and you probably would have died. Inappropriate uses of Tiger Balm. If Tiger Balm wants to sponsor the podcast, fine. (laughs) Yes, but you have to please everyone listening, use Tiger Balm correctly. Please read yes. the instructions on the back. Follow them. Do not murder people with Tiger do Bomb. Do not murder people with Tiger Bomb. We do fictional hangover takes no responsibility nor endorses the use of Tiger Bomb in an inappropriate manner other than the instructions given with the packet. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And on that note, would you rather yeah, I would rather. I would rather stop talking about Tiger Bomb. Because Tiger Bomb is a perfectly reasonable product to use and is. Responsibly. Yes. If used responsibly. And also, 
Don't smoke, kids. It's not cool. Yes, don't smoke. Oh, that's something else that I really did like, by the way. Um, Sorry, not that. It just reminded me, though, that Liz was taking medications for her head injuries, and she didn't drink alcohol. And I really appreciated that. She was following the rules of that medication, however not following the rules of the Tiger Bomb. That's because she wasn't trying to kill herself. True. Anyway, now it's time. Now it's time for Would You Rather. We asked, would you rather investigate the groundskeeper's cottage or the headmistress's office? On Facebook, the winner was the cottage with 71%. On Instagram, again, the cottage with 78%. On Twitter, everybody's going in the office with 75%. And on TikTok, a very rare 50-50. It's never even on TikTok. Weird. I know, it's so weird. So weird. We have a couple of comments. We do. Brie Tart on Instagram said, Headmistress's office, more scandalous files and secrets than the groundskeeper, who will most certainly be a red herring. You were right. You're right, Brie Tart. Ah, but he did have the archive. Yes. And that did lead to some answers. It did. Annie on Facebook said, as someone who loves to dig in the dirt, I'm going for the groundskeeper's cottage. Even if I don't figure out who's behind the accidents, who knows? I could find some gardening inspiration. I love Annie. That's perfect. Carl on Facebook said, groundskeeper, this see it all. And Peter on Facebook says, there are books in the headmistress's office. Yep, that's that's the yes. only reason why you're going there. It's for the book. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. What about you? What are you doing? Oh, this is really difficult because I've opened an ad over this one, actually, a little bit. I know we're not supposed to think about it, but I don't overly think about I haven't overly thought about it. Okay. I've just kind of... Oh, but the groundskeeper's cottage, like Mr. Loomis in this, who is an underappreciated character in the book, if you ask me, and unnecessarily given the name Creepy Billy. Yeah. Um, all our, I, I, I don't know about your schools, but all of the caretakers at the schools that I've been in have been lovely. They were always lovely guys and they were so kind and so nice. They, they just enjoyed their, they at least showed that they enjoyed their jobs. Mm-hmm. And they were really nice. And in the UK schools, the caretaker tends to have an on-site house as well so they they live on property and they were always lovely um and yeah so i i felt sorry for mr loomis being judged so harshly yeah probably because i've had quite a positive experience with a groundskeeper slash you know the caretaker of the school um oh what's the guy in harry potter movies mr filch yeah i had mr filch kind of images in my head of mr of of Mr. Loomis. Yeah. So that's kind of the image I had in my head. But as nice as it would be to like, have a creep in his house, because I can only imagine there's some cool things, knowing especially that he has a clandestine archive. Yes. And also that yeah. he potentially sells drugs. Yeah. I mean, especially after you've been in as well and found all those poisonous plants. If, as Liz, I'd be like, hmm, 
this is interesting. There's some material I can use and it all fingers will point to Creepy Billy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's basically a gift wrapped murder weapon and person to blame. Yeah, but this Liz is just really the first missed two weeks of the well, yes, but this is just the first two weeks of the school. We don't know after Christmas what she's going to come back and be like really pissed off with. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm. Mm. But now, the headmistress's office. Ooh, that's going to have information. Yeah. That's, that's going to have stuff. That's what I'm going to pick because Dr. Patel was looking like the bad guy the whole time. So what does she have going on in her office? I want to examine it. I want to know who my potential rivals are. Yeah, and you can and snoop through all those files. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read calls. As Liz, I would want to read calls. Yeah. As Taylor, I would, I would want probably to want to read about myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so we're going to go to the headmistress's office. Sure. Yeah. Have a good rake. One of us keeps lookout. Yes. Yes. Cool. Okay. Next question. Would you rather get your head bashed in by a rock or by a dumbbell? Jesus, neither. I can imagine the dumbbell being heavier and therefore quicker. Yeah, but with a dumbbell, like, they see you coming. With Frank in the woods, in the dark, with a rock, sounds like the answer to Clue, um, you, you, I mean, she could have bashed him from behind. Except. That's true. Except, you know, she probably didn't. But, she could have. And maybe, maybe you don't see it coming. I don't know. I think that's what I would take. But you're probably right. It would take a lot more hits to take you down with a rock. A rock in your hand? Yeah, hand rock. I'm going to go dumbbell just because I think it might be quicker. Okay. But really, can I can I, can I I go for neither and be the person who wheels it instead? Can I be Liz? Well, you already are Hello. Liz. I already am Liz. Oh, oh, too late. Next question. Would you rather go to the gym with Kat, go to a party with Taylor, or go to the library with Liz? I think this one's an obvious one. Yeah, clearly we're both going to the library. Regardless of if it's a fancy bell ladder sliding library or not, I'm going to the library. I don't want to go to a party, and I sure as fuck don't want to go to the gym. Yeah, with you there. All right. Yeah. Because you can at least, like, you know, plunk Liz at one of the desks and go, I'm going, to, I'm going over here. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And there's probably some good fiction books in there, too. It's not going to be all nonfiction. It's going to be good. Hey, Ms. Somerville is a magician. Right. She'll just magic it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. You're being murdered by Tiger Bomb. Oh, no! <laughs> Would you rather inhale it, put it in your gaping face wound, or slip off a ladder covered in it? I do not want to slip off the ladder. That's bad times. They're all bad times. They're all bad times. My questions are what's always qu- the worst. I know. I'm trying to think what's, what's going to be quicker. 
probably inhale it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a gaping face wound, I mean, as attractive as you are right now, I mean, if you said that, you know, gas... Gas chromatograph mass spectrometry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's all good. So, yeah, if you said that and, you know, rubbed in the Wop Tiger bomb, whoo! But it's going to take a while. I'm going to go with inhale. I'm going to go with an as inhaler As painful as too. it is, I think it's going to be quicker. Yeah, I'm going to go with the inhaler too. She was down. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm hoping because it 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 got into a, like a throat closed. Yeah. So there was lack of oxygen. It would make me pass out. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... Right, moving on. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too because I don't want to climb a ladder in the first place. No. And no. as beautiful as my face wound is, as you mentioned previously, yeah, definitely inhaling it. Last question. Okay. Would you rather be part of Jewel and Vaughn or the Oddfellow Society? Hmm. Either one, really. But you, you can't really say it because it's a secret. Right. So we can't answer this question at all. What? We're not, we're not part of a secret society. They don't exist. What are you talking about? What's a secret society? I don't understand. Why are you asking this question? It's too many questions. Stop it. I've never heard of the Odd Fellow Society. Wink. At all. First rule of Secret Society Club. Don't talk about Secret Society Club. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable answer. These don't exist. We can't choose because they're not real. They're not things that actually happen. So, sorry. The end. Oh, fun. <laughs> All right, favorite final thought quote? Literally, let's just stop talking about it because secret societies. Yeah, exactly. One. I've got, so I've got three. <laughs> Math. I climb into bed and make myself comfortable, tucking my toes under the bottom of the duvet so the monsters don't get me before reaching one arm out to switch off my lamp. I still do this. I stuck my feet out of bed the other night because it was so hot and then had to quickly whip the back in because I was convinced something was going to grab them. Oh my gosh. I thought you just picked that one because of the duvet. duvet. You know how we feel about duvets. <laughs> I love a duvet. Shall we have a duvet moment? <laughs> my next one this one's because hashtag feminism I swear it's the 21st century and if a woman still doesn't smile and make pretty for the men she must have something wrong with her Mm. smile Taylor makes you look pretty no it doesn't and my last one is naps are the best (laughs) yes they are I thought you might have that one as well, actually. <laughs> the amount of times we talk about naps. I do. We do talk about naps all the time. But no, I only have... I swear I will have my Beauty and the Beast moment before I leave. <laughs> and also, some people think reading equals doing nothing and love to interrupt right when you get to the juiciest parts. It's true. It's true. It's so true. If anybody knows us... Reading is important to us, okay? Oh my gosh, do not interrupt us while we're reading. I'll murder you dead. With Tiger Bomb. Um, 
flames and rage. And tiger bomb. <laughs> and tiger bomb. Don't make me use this tiger bomb. <laughs> All right. If you liked this, try this. What are you suggesting? Uh, I'm going to suggest Mark of the Wicked by Georgia Bowers. Okay. And it's from the summary is from the book itself. Um. There we go. All her life, Matilda has been told one thing about her magic. You use it only when you're necessary. But Matilda isn't interested in being a good witch. She wants revenge and popularity and to live her life free of consequences. Free of the scars that dark magic leaves on her face as a reminder of her misdeeds. When a spell goes awry and a new boy at the school catches her in the act, Matilda thinks her secret might be out. But far from being afraid, Oliver already knows about magic and he wants to learn more. As Oliver and Matilda grow closer, bizarre things begin to happen. Animals show up with their throats slashed and odd markings carved into their bodies. A young girl dies mysteriously, and everyone blames Matilda. But she isn't responsible. At least, not that she can remember. As her magic begins to spin out of control, Matilda must decide for herself what makes a good witch and discover the truth before anyone else turns up dead. Now, I know it's not specifically boarding school kind of thing, but there's so many... I haven't read it yet. I got it for Christmas. But there's so many um, little tidbits, like the scars on the face and not knowing if you're the murderer. And there was just... It's it's kind of hashtag tenuous link, but also not. not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've heard really good things, um, mainly from, uh, like, Callus and Don Kurdigich, like the elk that come with Sil- uh, in Cynthia Murphy's kind of crowd of British writers. Yeah, we know we writers. can trust them. Yeah, so yeah. this and it's been, you know, I've, I've been on the lookout for this one for a little while. So yeah, I've only ever heard good things about this one. All right, awesome. I am going to suggest another one that I haven't read it either, but it sounds really good. It's called How We Fall Apart by Katie Zhao. (sighs) It sounds really good. And it's not so hashtag tenuous link. Nancy is shocked when her former best friend, Jamie, top-ranked junior at Sinclair Prep, goes missing and then is found dead. Nancy is even more shocked when word starts to spread that she and her friends, Crystal, Akil, and Alexander are the prime suspects. Thanks to the proctor, someone anonymously incriminating them via the school's social media app. They all used to be Jamie's closest friends, and she knew each of their deepest, darkest secrets. Now, somehow, the proctor knows them too. The four must uncover the true killer before the proctor exposes more than they can bear and costs them more than they can afford, like Nancy's full scholarship. Soon, Nancy suspects that her friends may be keeping secrets from her, too. Ooh. So it's got a boarding school slash one of us is lying kind of vibe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I pick. Do you remember a couple of years ago we had um, a back to school theme? Yes. All of a sudden I feel like we've got all of these great books that would have been perfect yeah. for that theme. Yeah. That was a long time ago. 
It really was. It wasn't last September. That was the September before. Yeah, I, w- I was really freaking myself out the other day by the passage of time and realising we're now a third um, book club challenge themes. Yeah, it's kind of bonkers. And, you know, what's even worse for me is that there was an entire other year before that that didn't have themes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. Do we have an indie spotlight this week? Yes. This one is not tenuously linked at all, but we just got this one in a few days ago, and I really, really want to read it. It doesn't come out until June, but I don't care because I really, really want to read it. (laughs) It's called Game of Strength and Storm by Rachel Menard. Once a year, the Olympian Empresses grant the wishes of 10 people selected by a lottery for a price. 17-year-old Jen, a former circus performer, wants the freedom of her father, who was sentenced to life in prison for murders she knows he didn't commit. Castor plans to carry the island Arcadia into the future in place of her brother, Pollux, but only after the Empresses force a change in her island's archaic laws that requires a male heir. To get what they want, Jen and Castor must race to complete the better half of ten nearly impossible labors. They have to catch the fastest ship in the sea, slay the immortal Hydra, defeat a gangster called the Boar, and capture the flesh-eating Maris, among other deadly tasks. Jen has her magic, her ability to speak to animals, her inhuman strength, and the help of Pollux, who's been secretly pining for her for years. But Castor has her own gifts, the power of the storms, along with endless coin. Only one can win. The other walks away with nothing, if she walks away at all. It's gender-swapped Hercules, and I'm here for it. That sounds brilliant. (gasps) We might have to cover that one. I know. We could do it in December because in December we have like a flipping tropes or something like that. Yes. So gender swapped Hercules sounds like so much fun. Chef's kiss. Perfect. Let's get in touch with the author. Book them now. Yes. (laughs) Although December is really friggin' booked for us already. So I don't know. We just, do we need to start doing this? We have two weeks in December already booked in, and I think it's a four week. Is it four or five weeks? I don't know, but I really, really feel like we're just going to have to start doing this podcast every day. It's it's bi weekly now. We have to do it two times a week to get in all the books we want to talk about. Right, okay. Waffle House, come on. Pull your (laughs) finger out. Will somebody on our behalf get in touch with Waffle House and make them sponsor us? Yes. Or Tiger Bomb. Or Tiger Bomb. Use Tiger Bomb responsibly. Someone sponsor us so we don't have to work anymore and we can only do fictional hangover all the time. Yes. Yes. That's my dream. Imagine if we could end up doing a fictional hangover magazine. That would be so great. Yeah. Fictional hangover (laughs) TV show. (laughs) (gasps) I've been watching Archive 81. It's based on a podcast. Why haven't we got our podcast turned into a Netflix series now? It needs to happen. It really does. It needs to be the epic story of us meeting on the internet because of the podcast and never meeting in person until someone pays us enough money for us to meet in person. I think it's an excellent, like, meet-cute, found-family 
friend story. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. <laughs> it needs to happen. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's it. <laughs> this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Here There Are Monsters by Emma Linda Barube. <sighs> Hold it in, me. Monsters. Love it. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Or Netflix series. Or Netflix meet cute. I think it's perfect. I don't know why anyone would not agree with us. It needs to happen. Somebody write a strongly worded tweet. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. And on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others. A rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.